I'd like to turn your attention to Acts, the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And I want to speak to you today from this subject, the gateway principle. The gateway principle. Our guests, thank you for coming today. We will not uh, make you feel uncomfortable. We're just delighted that you came. But anyone that's comfortable with closing your eyes and lifting your hands to heaven, would you do that right now? And would you pray that God will give us personal revelation and that his will will be done in this sanctuary in the next few minutes? Father, we come, and it's not just an agenda item for me to cry out to you for your help and your anointing. You know the situations that are standing in this sanctuary, and you know those that are watching by way of webcast. God, we need you to do the work. We need your spirit to do what only it can do. Give us revelation. Set people free today. God, I'm praying against things that have people bound that have never been born again and people bound that have been born again. Let the power of your spirit do it in Jesus' name. And can the church shout amen? Amen. God bless you as you're seated. I'd like to say happy Labor Day weekend to all of you. Labor Day is a federal holiday in the United States. It's celebrated on the first Monday in September to honor and recognize the American labor movement and their works and contributions of laborers to the development and achievement of the United States. I believe what we need is an intensified kingdom labor movement. That's what we need. We need so much kingdom movement and so much kingdom labor that we would have to stop and celebrate like every Sunday, the labor movement of the kingdom. Jesus was and is the king. He was also the ultimate example of a kingdom laborer. He's the ultimate king and the ultimate kingdom laborer. Being an effective laborer in his kingdom must be a leading priority of all of our lives. When we consider this, we will then realize that even though we're feeling the great presence of God in this sanctuary, what happens in this sanctuary alone will not expand the kingdom. We hear great word in this sanctuary. There's great knowledge that is shared and there's wonderful prayer. But what we must do is we must desire, yes, to do it better in this sanctuary. But we must move it to another level outside of this sanctuary. There's a reason Jesus said in Luke 10 and 2, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So I believe today that we must activate the gateway principle as did our King Jesus. 
The gateway principle is simple. It's not deep. It's simply this. Felt needs are the gateway to the real need. Felt needs are the gateway to the real need. The real need is salvation. That's the real need in everybody's life. Everybody needs to be born again. Everyone needs to be born again of water and spirit. But the church must step up to ministering to felt needs if the gate is ever going to open to where we can reach people in the real need that they have. Acts 10.38, again, it's the text. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Went about doing good. He went about doing good. Let's not complicate what will literally take New Life Fellowship to the next level. Let's not think that it's some mysterious thing and we need a new tongue interpretation, which we're always open for that. But what we need is, is we need laborers. We need to all be kingdom laborers and we just simply need to what? Go about doing good. I think we need to declare war on overcomplication of the Scripture. We're overcomplicating way too many things. We need to literally just go about and we need to do good. That's what literally will take us to the dimension that we're praying for. It, it is not more knowledge that we need. If you've been attending this church for a while, you don't need more knowledge. I don't need more knowledge. It's not a lack of knowledge on Terry's part. It's a lack of kingdom action. It's a lack of activation. So I say, happy Labor Day. Let's bring this labor movement right into the kingdom of God. And let's go about doing good. Let's go about doing good. He went about. He was not isolated. He was not isolated at home or in the synagogue. He went about. He left his comfort zone. He just went about. Now, we've been closing in for many years in the United States. It started with privacy fences and remote control garage door openers and no solicitation signs. We've, we've been closing in. And then you take all these situations that are bringing in fear and then you take the epidemic of self-focus and we realize that isolation seems to be the natural progression of the American life. Isolation seems to be the natural progression of our lives. But Jesus refused isolation unless he was praying or resting. His life was about going about and doing good. He activated his goodness. It wasn't enough to him that he just was good. He activated his goodness and he went about doing good. You study that in the Bible and it, it means he went about 
in a charitable manner, a benevolent manner. He was a humanitarian. He was generous. He was big-hearted. He was giving. He bestowed benefits. Jesus went about bestowing benefits on people. Jesus went about giving. And his life was in such a manner that anybody Jesus came in contact with, they benefited from him because he went about doing good. In the life of Jesus, it's very easy to see how he would deal many times with the felt need of people before their real need. He exampled the gateway principle. He would go and he would meet somebody where they were with what they were feeling at that time. And then that would open up for the real need. When we look at the woman that was caught in adultery, we read this in the, in the eighth chapter of John. It's an absolutely terrible story. The leaders catch a couple in the act of adultery, but they only take the woman. I'll be very careful here, but anything that I have ever heard about adultery would never included just one person. And they bring her to Jesus, and when they throw her at Jesus, they remind her of the law of Moses and that she should be stoned, as if Jesus needed somebody teaching him about the law of Moses. What they were trying to do was they were trying to set Jesus up. And so Jesus kneels down and he writes in the sand and, and he acts like he's not even hearing them. And that, that's a very good lesson that many of us could learn that when somebody is condemning somebody, you know what would be good? It would be good sometime when somebody starts condemning somebody to you, you ought to just kneel down and start drawing on the carpet. And, and maybe we could set a new tone about you just don't condemn people all the time. And so we see in John 8, 7, and 11, so when they continued asking him, so they're literally asking him, they're just, they're just firing this question at him. He lifted up himself, he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And then he went back to drawing on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. Just picture that in your mind. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She looked around, she said, No man, Lord, and Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Jesus goes about, and, and he didn't start with her sin of adultery. He had to get her saved first. He, he had to rescue her life first. Because if they killed her, there wasn't going to be anything to forgive. And so he dealt with the felt need before he got to the real need. What, what she needed was somebody to step in and keep her brains from getting bashed out. And then she needed somebody to give her grace. And that's exactly what he did. He went about doing good. And in his doing good, he said, neither do I condemn thee. 
What would happen in our lives if we would adopt just this one message? Neither do I condemn thee. You've been caught in a big mess. It is even splattered on the news. But guess what? I'm not going to condemn you. You made a big mistake and you've embarrassed yourself and you've embarrassed your family. You've embarrassed a lot of people. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do good. I'm going to go about doing good. I'm not going to condemn you. I am going to choose not to condemn you. What a message. What a message that we need. This is how we live out what new life is all about, where no one has a past and everyone has a future. Jesus Christ went about doing good. It wasn't just to the woman that was caught in adultery, but when we look at Zacchaeus and we see in Luke 19 and 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, if you do not know that story, uh, we, we sang a song in Sunday school about Zacchaeus being a wee little man and a wee little man was he and he wanted, climbed up in a tree for Jesus to see. He was so short, the crowd was so big, he had to climb up a tree. He climbs up in a tree, Jesus goes and looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Jesus publicly invited himself to his house, and this was not a house of a good reputation. This man was hated. This man was a sellout. He was one that was despised by the Jews because the Romans that occupied the land, they would get a Jew to, to collect taxes from other Jews, and then there was a cut for them. And so you can believe that the Jews hated people like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus represents the up and out. Blind Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, and the lepers represent the down and out. So you have Zacchaeus, the up and out, but you have Jesus going for anyone who's out. It didn't matter to Jesus if they were up and out or if they were down and out. Jesus was about going to people who were out. And if a church is going to be powerful in 2020, it's not going to care whether they are up and out or whether they are down and out. A kingdom-activated church is a church that is only focused on who's out. Are you out? We don't care if you're out and walking, or we don't care if you're out and you're driving a Rolls Royce. What you have does not matter to us. The issue is you're out. And King Jesus wants you in. And we are the connect point that is going to connect between you being out and you being in. Jesus literally stuns all of them. He says, I'm going to your house. I can just hear some of them saying he's going to his house. Why is he going to his house? I mean, we, we believe he's the Messiah. We've been following him. And you've got this idiot here that has been literally taking our money and ripping us off. And Jesus is going to their house. That's exactly what Jesus does. He don't care what's going on. 
in your house. He doesn't care about where you are right now. He only sees where he knows you can go. And when the church gets to a point to where we don't care where somebody is, we don't care how bad you stink, we don't care how bad you messed up, all we care about is you're out, and we want you in. And the Spirit is moving in this day to move those that are out to move them in. So how are we with whom Jesus draws attention to? How are we with who Jesus hangs out with? Well, let's bring it down now to where we live. Uh, why do we care who the pastor hangs out with? Why don't we care who the, our friends hang out with? Why do we care who the leaders of this church hang out with? The truth is, there's too many of us that hadn't been hanging around bad people enough. That, that's the real thing, because the king, you say, oh, you have to watch your reputation. Jesus watched his reputation. Everything he was doing was out in the open, but it was for a reason, and it was to move people that are out to move them in. Jesus said, I'm going to your house, and what a message for all of us today. Let's go to their house. Let's invite them to our house. Let's go to their house. There are many felt needs in this world. There are many people that are struggling. Uh, much is said in the Word of God about the poor, those that are in need. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Proverbs 31 and 9, open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. And this church is to be commended for how you do that. People need help, and this applies to those that are beyond the walls of the church. The food pantry here shines in this, and, and Sister Tammy's vision to, to move that beyond just the physical need into emotional needs and spiritual needs is a great vision. People need help. They need help physically. They have felt needs. They, ha they need help spiritually. Those are real needs, and this will include helping people emotionally. And the help that is needed outside the church is, is major. And then there's help that is needed inside the walls of the church. Because people in the kingdom of God must never be made to feel less unless they have more. We must be very careful inside the kingdom of God. I'm not just speaking to new life. I'm speaking to anybody who will be seeing this. I'm talking about in the kingdom of God. It's not about my home, and it's not about my car, and it's not about my clothes, and it's not about my shoes. It, ladies, it, it's not about the purse that you are carrying. These do not determine value. These things do not determine value. The kingdom of God, Jesus went about, he didn't care about the, the style of their sandals. He didn't care about the brand of their robe. 
He didn't care if they had a chariot or if they didn't have a chariot. He did not care. One thing you could say about Jesus is, yes, he cared in some way, but in many ways, Jesus didn't care. He didn't care if it was a naked demoniac. It didn't matter to him. It didn't matter if it was Nicodemus coming to him at night. It mattered not to Jesus. Your clothes don't matter. Your shoes don't matter. And God helped that anybody in the kingdom of God would ever feel devalued on our campus because of their shoes or their clothes or their car or their house or what they have or what they don't have. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Martin Luther King is famous for many things, he said, and one such quote was, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Our dream in the kingdom should be that all people can come to church and be made whole spiritually, emotionally, and physically and not be judged by what they have, but be judged by what they are. This happens when we understand the power that the felt need is the gateway to the real need. What is your felt need? If the church can get to a point to where we can discern felt needs, everything changes. At the point that we are able to discern the needs that people are feeling, it is the gateway principle. Jesus ministered to the felt needs. Jesus went about doing good. If they were feeling hungry, he fed them. If they were feeling outcast, then he brought them in. If they were feeling sifted, divided inwardly, then he prayed for them that their faith would not fail. That's exactly what he did. He looked at Peter and he said, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you or separate you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. Jesus desired oneness and unity beginning with us individually. Jesus went about putting people together. Jesus didn't go about separating people. Jesus went about putting people together. The Spirit of God is here today to help you take another step, moving you together, not separating you. Jesus prayed earnestly that we would be one. Jesus knew the feeling of divisiveness and the end result. The only kind of division that Jesus is for, it's when there is division over who is standing for Him or who is standing against Him. Then it doesn't matter to him if your house is divided. Then it doesn't matter to him if you as a couple, if you're divided over that. Or the children, the parent, the parents, the children. No, when it comes to whether or not we are standing with Jesus Christ, then, then he is fine with that kind of a division. If it divides our house and it's about him, that's not a problem. But when it comes to dividing his house, then it absolutely cannot be tolerated. Due to the divisiveness in our nation, this pastor, any pastor, could stand to the pulpit 
any day of, of the week, any service, and preach against the devastation of division. Because it is literally a gateway principle that is applying in a major way in our nation. Because our nation is so divided. We're feeling the effects of, a, of national division. And as I said teaching a couple of weeks ago, now that spirit is banging on the door of the church and is seeking entrance. And we cannot allow it in, no matter how legitimate it seems. In prayer a couple of days ago, I felt the spirit prompt this question to me. As a matter of fact, I've been worked over pretty good personally in the spirit this week. And I felt the Spirit prompt this question to me. What would happen if I would be more upset about something that, that is coming against me because it has the opportunity to bring division in the house of God more than just what it would cause me personal pain? The question was, the Spirit was saying, Terry, when people come against you, when things happen to you by people in the body of Christ, what upsets you most? Does it upset you that you're having to deal with that individually? Does it upset you that something has come against you? Or does it upset you more because it is potential division in my house? I was praying a couple of days ago, and the Spirit spoke this to me. Forgive everybody of everything ever. Forgive everybody of everything ever. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. In the last couple of days, I have prayed a blessing on people's lives that I have never prayed for in my life. I am praying a blessing. I am thinking in the last couple of days, I am thinking about the people that have done things to me, and I am praying by name for those people that God will bless them. Now that's the easy part. The hard part has been me praying for the people that I know have hurt my wife and that have hurt my son and that have hurt my daughter because I can take it a whole lot easier when it's somebody coming against me. But when it's somebody fooling with my family, I want to take matters into my own hands if you can understand what I'm saying. And so what the Spirit is saying is, can you forgive everybody of everything ever? And the last couple of days, that's exactly what I have been doing. And the reason why I have been doing that is because the Spirit is speaking very clear to me that there's going to be some people that God uses in a mighty way. And He cannot use people who are harboring divisiveness and things in their heart. God is bringing the church to a position. Don't think that everything that is happening in this world is just some accidental situation. Don't think that there's not a major work being done. And at the same time that things are being pushed down, God is lifting things up. And God is looking for people that He can use in a mighty way. 
but he's not going to use me. If you want to take this about yourself, fine. If you want to ignore it, fine. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. I am going to be clean before God. I do not care what it takes and what I have to do and who I have to apologize to and who I have to pray for and who I have to pray a blessing on. You're looking at a man that's going to give every bit of the energy that I have to be used however God wants to use me and there not be inner division that would disqualify me. I'm talking about the felt need. The felt need is I need forgiveness. But He will not forgive me if I am not forgiving others. Well, you don't know what they've done. Well, you don't know. I'm not saying get back in a place where they can do that to you again. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying let's deal. Let's let forgiveness happen in our lives. Why don't we forgive ourselves? Why don't we forgive our spouse? Why don't we forgive our kids? Why don't we forgive our parents? Why don't, why don't we forgive our family members? Why don't we, why don't we forgive people in the church? Start with the pulpit. Work on back to the ushers. Whatever. Let's just get it right. Let's just get released for the power of God to do in our lives what God wants to do in our lives. Let's get this thing right. You don't have to be a prisoner. You don't have to be a prisoner. You don't have to live like a prisoner. You don't have to keep hating everybody from who you see in the mirror to everybody you look at. You do not have to let God did not robe himself in flesh, come down and die for us and, and show us how he lived and then, and then die and, and be resurrected uh, and ascend and shows and then sends them to a room, gives them the power for us to live as spiritual paupers. And so he says, he says, that I went about doing good. I am the example. Matthew 20, 28 would literally change our lives. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus just said, I, I didn't even come for you, to, for you to minister to me. I came to minister. Can you imagine what could happen? Can you imagine what could happen if everybody in one household took that scripture and lived it out? Can you imagine what could happen in this church if everybody lived that out? I, I, you know, thank you for ministering to me. Appreciate that. It's wonderful. Uh, you know, thank you for all the ministry. But, but the core of me is saying, but I, I didn't even come for you to do something. Thank you for calling me and encouraging me. But that's not what I'm living for. Uh, we, need it. we need to be very encouraging. I got that. But can you imagine what could happen? In, can you imagine the freedom that you could live in? And the freedom that I could live in if my whole view of life was I'm not even thinking about what you need to do for me. 
I'm not even thinking about the fact that maybe you should put something into my life. I am living one way, and that is I am looking to minister. How can I minister to you? Because Jesus Christ said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. This church changes everything. Everything. So we have Jesus that came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life. And then we have it said of him, he just went about doing good. So I challenge you today. Put down the mirror. Put down the mirror. Put it down. Been looking at ourselves too long. It's not about us. Put down the mirror. Get out of the comfort zone. This is not about my personality. Every personality can be mightily used by God. He created you the way He created you because He has a purpose for the way He created you. Every one of us can go about and do good. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with Him. We've got to move out, and we've got to do good. And remember what the Scripture says, that one day we want to hear him say, Well done, thou faithful. We missed something. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What I believe today, new life, what I believe, I believe that this church is at a, a shifting point in the spirit. I believe it. Felt it Wednesday night when it happened, when pastor just, just kept after he taught. He, he just felt the spirit leading and something broke in here Wednesday night. And it's not, it's, it's not that you need new teaching. You don't need any new teaching. There is so much seed that has been sown here for the last 20 plus years, almost 21 years now. There is so much. There is so much we know. What, what do we need? Activation. Just activation. We, we really don't need another revelation. Thank you, God, for everything that you're giving and the voices that come. Good, great, wonderful. But we, re we really don't need one more revelation. We just need to go about on the revelation that we have. We just need to activate what we have. And new life, it's a new day. Whenever we just take a breath and say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive everybody, everything ever, and I'm going to put the mirror down, and I'm just going to go about doing good, 
and I'm going to start this afternoon inside my own house. There it is. There it is. There it is. As we stand together right now, I don't know what the Spirit has said to to any of you. I know that the Spirit has moved. I don't know if anyone wants to walk forward for this prayer that we're going to pray, or if you want to pray right where you are, and that's just fine. But let me tell you clearly that the Spirit is seeking today for people that will activate the goodness of God. That will activate the goodness of God. It's the gateway principle. Our lives will totally be changed. I'd like for us to close our eyes, lift our hands to heaven. And can we pray this prayer first? Let's pray the prayer of putting the mirror down. Father, we come. Pray, pray this however the Spirit leads you. Father, we come. And we ask you to give us the power to quit thinking so much about ourselves. Give us the power. God, we have needs, and as a church, we need to be sensitive to the needs of others. And there will be times we will have to ask for help. We understand that, God, but help us to understand we must put the mirror down. Help us to do it. Father, you know how hard this is for us. You know how hard it is for us, but with your help, we can do it. Can we pray a prayer of repentance right now? Father, we come to you and we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, God, of anything in our lives that, that is not pleasing to you, whether it pleases us or not. now pray a prayer of forgiveness of forgiving others father we come and we have to have we have to receive your help to be able to forgive because we cannot forgive under our own power and there are people that are in this sanctuary or are watching by way of webcast that that they are this step away from a new life they are this step away from a new life. Help us, God. Help us, God, to truly be able to forgive. To truly be able to pray for these people that you will bless them in whatever manner you see they need to be blessed. And Father, we pray, help us discern felt needs. Can we pray that right now? Let's pray to be able to discern felt needs.